0: Straight from the heart of La La Land, this is the Cutter Calloway Podcast, a one-stop shop for all things faith and culture. I'm your host, Cutter Calloway, and I'm inviting you to join me on a journey of theological exploration discovery. Today, we're discussing the new film, Mary Magdalene, directed by Garth Davis and starring Rooney Mara as Mary Magdalene, Joaquin Phoenix as Jesus, and Juatel Egeofor as Peter. So I am joined today by a a really highly esteemed uh, panel, Uh, not even a panel, a group of people who have various forms of expertise. Uh, The first is Dr. Catherine Barsotti, who is an affiliate professor of integrative studies here at Fuller. Um, Ruth Schmidt, who is a co-director, along with me, of Real Spirituality. Uh, And Dr. Tommy Givens, in the flesh and in the voice. Uh, who is an associate professor of New Testament here at Fuller. And we're really just going to have a conversation coming at at this film from all of our different unique perspectives, uh, areas of expertise, interest, et cetera. So I thought maybe what would be fun is just to open with uh, a very simple question, and that is what was your initial response to the film Mary Magdalene and why? I don't know, Kathy, if you want to start.
1: Well, I went to see the film on the evening of Maundy Thursday, so I came from a Maundy Thursday service to watching that. And uh, my background is Roman Catholic. That's where I met the Lord and was formed as a Christian. And so that seeing Mary Magdalene raised up um, was just wonderful because of stories as a kid that you learn about who is Mary Magdalene. You know. Obviously, she's a disciple, but um, to see her in the light that the movie yeah. was was great, and I think also I have to say I'm not you know I'm not a Joaquin Phoenix groupie. In fact, I have <laughs> some <laughs> so my cousin has worked with him, and so I have some knowledge of his genius, crazy style of. But I found him a very compelling yeah. Jesus. Yeah, just. The, the, who 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 he was. And I will say that while I watched it, I leaned over to my husband and I said, Tommy Gibbons should be happy because there was all this focus on the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? And I don't know I've ever seen a Jesus movie where that was talked about mm-hmm. as much. Now, I'm not saying I'm not the biblical scholar, so I'll <laughs> let...
0: But you are a film scholar, so, yes. you know, in that sense, it's good. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Tommy, what do you... What, what was your initial uh, response and, and why would that be
2: so I watched this film on Easter Sunday evening oh. and so I think uh, the time of year and what I'd been through earlier that those few days also influenced my experience of the film but I of course began watching the film thinking it is so hard to make a good Jesus movie <laughs> yeah. you know this yes. is probably going to be another, You know we tried but we failed Mm -hmm.
1: yeah yeah
2: and um, I have to say that it totally sucked me in Mm -hmm. from the beginning and I was just mesmerized by it Uh, I was I think drawn especially to the the angle that comes with Mary Magdalene being the main character And something I'm always telling students is that Jesus is actually revealed through the other characters that Jesus interacts with mm-hmm. and so for once we were actually getting this really kind of developed sense of a person who is in close relation to Jesus and I think that allowing her to be the main character um, is partly what drew me in mm-hmm. and at the same time I thought kind of like Kathy What's coming across is a really, I think, uh, more compelling Jesus hmm. because it's not so much about him.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so the other thing that maybe is worth mentioning to me is I thought one of the reasons this particular film uh, was compelling was that it shows um, a Jesus who is depending on Mm -hmm. this character Mary Magdalene Mm -hmm. and a Jesus who is I think true to the Gospels who's figuring it out as he goes Mm -hmm. and that's something that you hardly ever get Mm -hmm. from a portrait of Jesus on film or even just popular renditions of Jesus in sermons and whatnot we always think that Jesus is like this Jedi master everybody else is a puppet and that uh-huh. makes for terrible movies. Yeah. Yeah. And this movie didn't do that. Yeah. Or maybe he's
0: he's the arrived holographic Jedi Master, not the Jedi in training, right? <laughs> right. So, yes. yeah.
1: But and that and that many women in the film have some kind of impact on him. I mean, we've we've been given the story that his mother, right? Most Jesus movies will have a very, when they beam in on each mm-hmm. other, their eyes, the the mother Mary and Jesus, but here we have. Mary Magdalene and then we have as he goes in his ministry other women mm-hmm. who we can, I'm sure you're going to ask about some of those scenes but but who follow him and, and, and it made me also think about my work with um, Latinx communities because I, it's not so much a joke it's a, in some ways we talk about a lot of Latino women feel like they have to, they have to find a place between the two Marys Hmm. Okay? Mary, the mother of God, or Mary, the the myth, Mary Magdalene, the prostitute, right? Who who, who are you? Which Hmm. Mary, which side do you come down on?
0: Hmm. That's interesting. Ruth, what about you?
3: Yeah, I was also really surprised how much I enjoyed this film. Um, I think the thing that stood out to me the most was just her identity as a single woman, no children and how she still had this midwife role for Christ, for the kingdom, without children. And so it opened up, you know, I just resonated with it a lot as far as my own journey and how we're all called to do that, even if we don't have the roles that look as obvious. She was Mm -hmm. so misunderstood. And especially, I think, yeah, any woman who comes from a background where they're not naturally accepted for who they are, this film is just powerful. Yeah. Like There was a scene where she's alone on the hillside because the men in the group hmm. have rejected her, and she looks over and there's Christ. And it's like, oh, when I'm rejected, God is with me. And that was just so powerful. I brought tears to my eyes. I was sitting there and I was like, reflecting on my own story and where I've come from. And so yeah, the film did a beautiful job, but I think of identifying with women who have been marginalized, hmm. yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, for me, is was all, all oh. of that. All the feels. Um, <laughs> but um, I've just been, I've been doing a lot of reading recently, taking a class in trauma. <clears throat> and um, it was hard to, you know, not, I, I joke about this, in eighth grade, I got a leather jacket. I like asked for a leather jacket forever. And finally, I think my grandparents and parents all pitched in for Christmas, I get a leather jacket. So I went to school first day after that Christmas break where I got a leather jacket. And I'm like, this is awesome. I am awesome. And I arrived and I looked around and, like, every kid at the school had a leather jacket. And I'm like, why didn't I see this before? <laughs> um, so similar with the trauma thing, I'm, I don't want to read into it too much, but it was really striking to me of um, the the ongoing trauma, um, the constant sort of material threat that women both in this actual historic time, but then throughout history, including now, um, live under. They live under this condition of... of of actual ostracization or or um, exclusion, but then also uh, actual. I have to worry about my life, mm-hmm. right? I'm, I, and and what that means, both in terms of you know the, the scene of her exorcism, it was really and stri- mm-hmm. how they paralleled paralleled that with baptism. Totally. That it's the same ritual and the same site of this trauma that now Jesus is a part of, and. Uh, so for me, I, it was it was just a fascinating way of of getting into that. Um, a woman, uh, Serene Jones, wrote this uh, book on trauma, and she sort of tells this the story similar to the to the two Marys meeting here, um, but it's of a, an imagined Rachel um, whose child was lost uh, in the mm-hmm. killing of the innocents,
2: mm-hmm.
0: observing Mary, the mother of Jesus, while Jesus is on the cross, and so she tells the story of how would these two women have encountered this trauma and how would they have seen the other's trauma and similarities and differences, you know? Um, And I just was like, that's, that was what was really interesting of the Mary's now meeting. It again, wasn't that it's like, oh, let's all talk about Jesus. It was how do have we sort of shared and now are we carrying this kind of trauma along with each other? Um, And, and, and that to me just was a really interesting thing that I hadn't seen in a Jesus movie. Um, and I don't know if we usually talk about that in terms of like the Jesus story, but all three of you kind of mentioned this in terms of how the sort of simple decision to make the movie about Mary Magdalene kind of shifts the whole thing, right? It, it, it's a literal decentered storytelling. Not I can't even say it's about Jesus. Is this even a Jesus film? You know, Jesus is a character. Um, so what do you think, um... How does that help us understand all of those characters differently, including Jesus? Um, and then I guess then the, the follow-up is one specific for Tommy. Does that then offer us a model for going back to our sort of sacred texts? Um, is there a way for us to kind of make a similar gesture? And, and what does that look like? So I don't know. Do you guys hear those two questions? Mm. So what, what happens by simply saying Mary's at the center? Um, and then can that... How do we do that similarly with our stories um, that aren't films?
1: I can imagine that you would have two reactions by by making Mary the center of the story. I mean, Tommy says he encourages his students to see Jesus through the characters around him. But, you know, we do have lots of people who think that if it's not centered on Jesus, mm-hmm. then it's... Um, Or, you know, sacrilege sacrilege Um, So I can imagine you coming to this movie if you have that kind of backdrop that this movie was not at all pleasing to you or whatever Um, I think We might come slightly with well, we've shared that we come with slightly different um, backdrops, so for me, it's being able to see someone who struggled and then find um, her, her place in the kingdom um, and even become one, as Ruth said, who is, you know, birthing, <laughs> helping to birth the kingdom that Jesus talks about, and even in his own life even assuring him that that's, yes, yeah. that's what we're about, mm-hmm. even in his darkest moments, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and others could say, oh, come on, we don't know that Mary Magdalene did any of that. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I, I guess I don't really care. <laughs> but, yeah. but the vision of it gives me another way into the gospel. So I guess, and that's your okay. second question, yeah. how does that then help me read the Gospel in a new way. I don't have to take the movie as, yeah. as the Bible, yeah. but it, it somehow opens something up in me that maybe now I can read the story in a new way. Yeah, I
0: mean, that's what I find fascinating about the, the Gospel narratives is there's, there is a silencing of women's voices that is clear at the same time depending upon how you approach it, there's also a, an elevation of, of them. Um, and, and you know, as we talk about, you know, quote-unquote faithful reads of the Scripture, um, it, it does sort of press our... the, the hermeneutical strategies that we've been handed um, don't always account for this uh, sort of dynamic that's always in play, but especially when it comes to how, what do we make of, of both the silencing, but then also reading against the grain and saying there's these moments where, no, in fact, um, this is kind of scandalously pro-women. Does that make sense? How do you navigate that as a a Bible teacher? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I think that, first of all, what Kathy's
2: talking about, the impulse to rush to some criticism of how the movie doesn't line up with how people interpret the Gospels is uh just a little pedantic Mm -hmm. um if we're honest every preacher every time they tell a story (laughs) they're making up all kinds of things about what is going on in jesus's mind why he does things because that's what we're doing we're interpreting Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh stories that themselves are relatively brief and austere and so we're always filling in Mm -hmm. what we perceive as gaps to kind of pull the story together um but what the especially kind of insight this might give to the interpretation of the Gospels with other characters being centered, for example, in general, or maybe the role of women in those stories in particular. I think it helps you to see how a certain um, fixation upon Jesus to the exclusion of other characters in the story, even ignoring the details about those characters that the writer gives us, Tells you that we're trading in a certain kind of icon or almost ideal of Jesus where the meaning of every story is simply to reinforce that image that we already have it's never to judge it it's never to enrich it it's never to qualify it but in fact the narratives that we have in the New Testament give us very striking details about the characters that relate to Jesus and I think that good interpretation of them will camp on those details, Mm -hmm. fill them out, describe those characters as thickly as we can in light of what the text itself tells us, and then ask the question, how does that affect our understanding of the interaction between this character and Jesus? Um, An example would just be someone who's described for us as a leper. Mm -hmm. And we just think, oh, here's yet another person who has something wrong that Jesus is going to fix because Mm -hmm. he's God. And this is the Jesus that people stop believing in. And rightly so.
3: Uh,
2: But if you start to describe the leper in terms of, okay, this particular disease means estrangement for this person Mm -hmm. from their loved ones, from all of their other neighbors, uh, so that when this person begs Jesus, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus touches this person. He's touched all kinds of people. And so now your, your mind is not just on Jesus as this isolated figure. It's all the kind of reverberations of relational change and bodily change that are happening through the touch between these two bodies. So that to me is a, an insight that this story helps us gain for interpretation that Jesus is who he is in relation to other people. And if you don't pause to gaze carefully at those other people, your vision of Jesus will be poor. Um, so that's one. The two. The second one, though, the other question that I think is important is the issue about female characters in particular because i think you're right we can't really deny that they do not seem to be very prominent characters compared to others in our gospel stories but in their minor roles they do exert, I would say, a kind of inordinate power. (laughs) And that's to also be recognized. So Mary Magdalene in particular is presented to us by Luke, not just as someone from whom Jesus cast out seven demons, but one of the breadwinners of Jesus' very weird family. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So she's a provider for him. She's a woman of means. And uh, if you see the particular places where women do come into the story... In uh, really all four of our gospels, um, but Mary Magdalene in particular, and Luke, for example, I think you find that there is a kind of, um, oh, let's call it a revelatory power Hmm. that's ascribed to them, Hmm. that they have the ability to teach us something, not just about Jesus, but because it's about Jesus, about God and the world, by the way that they relate to Jesus. And that, this movie, I think, um, helped you to do that because it didn't just change your perception of Jesus, right? The way she relates to the other disciples.
3: Yes. You know,
2: yeah. having to correct their yeah. understanding of what the kingdom is about. Totally. Um, I thought that was really fabulous. Yeah. And you have other instances. This is actually maybe truer to the gospel stories than people realize. Uh, a famous example would be the structure of both Matthew and Mark that contrast a Canaanite or Syro Phoenician woman who is full of faith with the disciples or with Peter in particular mm-hmm. who lacks faith.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So this was actually a moment in the film that isn't, you know, in an identical way in any of the gospel stories, but it resonates with something that is characteristically missed uh-huh. in the Gospels uh-huh. that is about elevating a female character yeah. as a way of exposing the inadequacy of key male yeah. characters. Yeah.
0: It almost what you think too of of like who the author of Mark is. Let's presume that's or or the gospel. Any of these gospels um, are males, or their you know tradition says that they are men. Um, you know, writing the story about Jesus saying your name will be known forever, and then not writing the woman's name down, right. <laughs> like even in there, it's so it's it's almost like you can feel the patriarchy rejecting the critique. That's mm-hmm. the right critique. By this sort of silent, it's just a fascinating uh, sort of mix. Ruth, what about you? I mean, I you um, see that. So one of the things I found interesting too was um, the way in which, at least this film, really characterized uh, the relationship between Jesus and Mary. Is I was shocked by how often her concern was for Jesus, for her friend, for the the man Jesus, and what you know, what does it feel like to be in God's presence? Um, are you, you know, what what are you thinking about this mission? How are you feeling about that, you know? Um and then he whereas, replies
3: no one's ever asked. Yeah, exactly. That yeah, because yeah, that's right, that connection yeah. right.
0: whereas Peter and the men um and I think this again is what Tommy's saying that is actually pretty pronounced in the gospel if you miss it. It's their concern for Jesus is in relation to it's it's a kind of instrumentalizing of Jesus' mission. It's what does Jesus represent for the coming kingdom of which we're now around? So it's almost. And, I was struck and more, by
1: more specifically, and how I will be e- exactly. Situated yes, in and that how process, I will be the right? you know <laughs> the vanguard,
0: <laughs> the vanguard of that advancing kingdom. I'm the you know I these men are the rock upon you know. Um, and I was like, how striking is that? That even as like us watching a film, saying, what is our discipleship as people who are following Jesus? What really is my concern? Is it, am I concerned with the role I have? You know, I want to be at your left and right hand, or is it? I'm actually concerned about: Do Jesus' feet hurt, and does do they need to be rubbed? Yeah. I don't. Do you expect, You know, you are in a seminary context, as a woman, <laughs> who is surrounded by a lot of men. Um, is there is there some truth to that? Do you encounter that in your sort of natural impulse to relate to Jesus versus yeah. your male counterparts?
3: Yeah, definitely. I think there is that scene where she is going back to tell Peter and the rest of them that, you know, I've seen him. He's mm-hmm. there, you know, Peter doesn't believe her, and they have that whole back and forth, and he he's, you know, rude to her again. And then her response was just so gracious, mm-hmm. and it was like, I forgive you, <laughs> and then she says, but I'm still going to speak. Mm-hmm. And it's that dynamic between, you're my brothers, I'm not rejecting you, mm-hmm. but I still have to do what I'm called to do. And that is... I think for any woman who's coming out of a more conservative or fundamentalist background, that is the tension every single day. Mm. <laughs> like, I love you, don't leave, you're my brothers. Also, I answer to the risen Lord. <laughs> so, yeah, it was really good. But I think her, another thing I really appreciated though, that gave me empathy for the rest of the characters, when she had that encounter and they named her older brother Daniel in the film, this um, confusion that Daniel has when she's being taken away and he's like, how can this be the will of God? Is it is it man's choice to decide this? And how ironic there is a man making a decision there, and yet he is struggling with this idea that another man has power. And there's just so much empathy, I think, that her suffering brings out for the men in the movie because they are so confused, but they are trying so hard to do the right thing. Like, there's no... there's All of them, even Judas... Your heart breaks. Like how beautiful, you know. Yeah, talk about Judas.
0: What uh, What do we think yeah. about his depiction oh, here? Oh, so
3: well done. I loved it.
0: Um, even you know, the, um, uh, Thomas Halleck uh, has this book called "Patience with God," um, and uh, and he it's it's basically his his sort of accusation, quote unquote, uh, toward atheists is they're just not patient enough. Mm. They, they're they're, right. All the questions they're asking, all the critiques they have against theism are right. They just need to wait a little bit longer. And so that's why the title of it is. And I uh, thought, that's what I was thinking when I saw the Judas character of, uh, of it, it, he's not wrong, actually. Right? Um, and then you get the, uh, is it the Gospel of Judas or Gospel of Thomas, where we have a, a similar thing that Judas consciously knows I'm trying to bring about the kingdom. the kingdom through... Mm-hmm. Do, do you know Tommy? Which one it is? My
2: guess is that that's the Gospel yeah. of Judas. It's okay. not in the
0: Gospel of Thomas. Okay. So, so you know, you have that some in the tradition. This trying to say he's sincere but misguided. <laughs> Maybe like all men writ large in some ways. Um, but yeah, what a fascinating way to then Judas and Mary have this a, a connection that you wouldn't otherwise okay. get because of that. So, how did, Kathy, how does that make you feel that now when we decenter it, all of a sudden Mary and Judas are Triangulated in a in a really constructive way, where many people would be like, you know, Judas is all bad. Oh, you know, yeah. you know what, yeah. what? How does that help us?
1: Well, I I like what um, Ruth said just about how I I felt all the characters are compelling in the sense because they're all struggling to figure out what it does mean to be a disciple hmm. of Jesus in the kingdom of God. Now, some at moments think they have a handle on that better than others, but in fact, I think you see almost every single one of them. Even Mary herself yeah. um, struggles at times with knowing well what exactly should we be doing now. How can I most, how can I be most helpful to Jesus to bring in the kingdom? And I think that her, her knowing what it felt like to be so on the outside and yearning to know God. Um, helps her to to have compassion for Judas, I think. Mm-hmm. Because I think she sees his yearning as yearning. Mm-hmm. I mean, not uh, you know, not being cynical mm-hmm. about people's, the way mm-hmm. they're expressing themselves. They may be broken and they may, may be you know, isolated in some way, but they aren't. She takes them Pretty seriously, that we're all seeking to to know God and His Kingdom,
0: and suffering from in Judah in this characterization, suffering from a violent past trauma, yeah. that's that's animating his anxiety and his like I want resurrection now, mm-hmm. right? Because I have a kid, I have a family, you know, mm-hmm. and that's a much more sympathetic take than sure. you know oh, yeah. he, Satan got in his mind and you know,
3: right. and his like. His when, when he's trying to explain why he did what he did, he tells Mary he was delaying. Mm-hmm. Like it just wasn't fast enough, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Add to that that when he tells his story to Mary early on as Mary begins to follow the band of disciples or follow with him, he tells her that the death of his wife and child um, was due to the kind of Herodian policy. Yeah the presence of Rome, so that the appetite for some kind of Mm short-term dramatic political change is united to grief over the loss of loved ones. And I thought that was really important because we sometimes get a picture of the disciples as having some kind of foolish ambition for revolution. Mm -hmm. And that's just insane, Mm -hmm. you know? Uh, I think that the desires of disciples and other people of the day which were not universal by the way, but where they were present for a dramatic revolution should inspire total sympathy with us. It would take a lot less for us to grab a hold of guns ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that was great, I thought, Mm -hmm. that Judas comes across, like you're saying, Cutter, not as someone who just, you know, out of nowhere did this terrible thing by betraying Jesus, but was actually attempting to mobilize what he understood Jesus's purpose to be Mm -hmm. and was motivated by a kind of righteous indignation Mm -hmm. at the subjugation of his people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we
0: Oh, go ahead. ahead.
1: No, I was just going to say, when I think about all the things that we're talking about too, I mean, I think what the movie did for me was be able, and this is perhaps our context today, it, it gave me sort of a psychological way or sociological way to understand what was happening to to these characters. And I think oftentimes in our churches we you know, we want to read the Bible and we don't don't bother me with what was the psychology of the people or mm-hmm. it's just this. Right. It's mm-hmm. just this, right? You know, okay, so on one hand maybe we are a psychologically driven culture mm-hmm. at the moment. But on the other hand, why shouldn't we think about that? And then it helps me to ask myself, how, how, how will I respond to God's call? Hmm. You know what are, what are the traumas of my own life? What hmm. are the, the psychological issues of my own life? So for me, it makes the gospel come alive.
0: Hmm. Hmm. That's
2: good. I, 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 I love what Kathy's saying about the, just the drama that comes from taking the characters more three-dimensionally mm-hmm. and seeing how there's something about each of them that inspires sympathy because characteristically what i find in teaching the new testament especially to christians coming from the evangelical tradition is that every character is sort of flattened oh. into good guy or bad guy yeah. caricature we're just obsessed oh, okay. yeah. with that way of understanding who people are and of course that usually plays very badly for jewish people in the interpretation of the gospels but Uh, This story, I think, was actually truer to what we find in the Gospels in that um, there's nobody actually uh, except uh, a few women Mm -hmm. that seem to have a relatively sound sense of who Jesus is, (laughs) (laughs) right? The people that are the closest to him, the ones that Jesus himself Mm -hmm. chooses, the one he teaches, he invests in. These are the people that betray him, Mm -hmm. deny him, desert him Mm -hmm. in the end of the story. And that, I think, should affect how we see ourselves in these stories, not as yeah. aligned with, yeah, we're clearly among those people that uh, know who Jesus is and follow him without hesitation. I mean, who the hell is that in the story? Mm-hmm. There's nobody in the story that does that, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. How much do you think, um, you know, the writers being women and the director, you know, he's, he's quite amazing because... Um, he was nominated for Best Director and Best First-Time Director in the same year when mm-hmm. Lion came yeah. out, right? These very, mm-hmm. very emotional, psychological mm-hmm. stories that have trauma mm-hmm. involved in them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it just... Um, it, it, uh, that 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 team that came together mm-hmm. of filmmakers, I think, um, is actually a gift to us <laughs> because mm-hmm. they were you know, people who had eyes that could see yeah. other things. Well, that's yeah. an
0: interesting thing of, of what Tommy's getting at with people who are so close to him can't see him. Like, you're you're still blind to who Jesus is, even though you're right there. Um, and it's no small wonder that uh, apparently uh, Joaquin, the one thing he thought was silly was to to put mud in the blind person's eyes. Mm-hmm. And so instead he, you know, licks his thumb and, you know, but then there's the parallel move that he does to Mary, right? And when he right. sort of is like this and kind of cleanses her eyes and essentially I'm giving, you can see me, right? Mm-hmm. You're one of the few that actually get me. Um, and it makes me think back to our own need as people who are self-consciously identified as disciples, as followers of this man, Jesus, that we are in some cases the most blind to who Jesus is, and so the most need in the most need of the gospel, right? That it's it's we're the ones that need the evangelizing, the the eyes being cleared, and and but we almost in our flat reading of, of the text, it's it is the opposite because we can't see ourselves in the characters. We can't if you're gonna pick good guys, bad guys. I'm gonna identify with the good guys, right? <laughs> um, and, and that's just classic uh, psychology. Um, and yet then we get this film written by people who might have the eyes to see um, that aren't necessarily people of faith. So they mm-hmm. are actually outsiders mm-hmm. giving us insight into our own story, which I find really fascinating. The, the actors themselves, um, not mm-hmm. people of faith, what you know. Um, right. uh, I think Joaquin is an outspoken atheist, even, yeah. in some mm-hmm. ways. So, um, but taking on this role, it's a really unique thing. Um, and then you get to this moment where, like you were saying, when she goes to, to Peter and it's like, my voice will be heard. I, I couldn't help but think, um that uh, you know, for such a time as this, right? that it's the Elizabeth Warren quote, like and and yet she persisted. Mm-hmm. Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I was like, oh, you know, um, so I, I wonder in in that sense, and it is this a countercultural film or not? um it, and and maybe, which culture would it be countering? <laughs> so when you get all of these different things, uh, the the sort of female authorship, the outsiders telling insider stories, the women saying, that yet she persisted. Well, is that even the right way to think of
3: it? I, the one thing that comes to mind when you're saying this is that in this film, um, the, the exorcism or the demons, Jesus isn't the one that heals her from those demons because he says, there are no demons mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. And so I think that is countercultural Ooh. on many mm-hmm. levels. Mm-hmm. I think Christians will probably have a bone to pick with that. Um, mm-hmm. But I also think that that is truer to the heart of the Jesus that I know. When he looks at the person who is um, outcast, be it for skin color, for gender, mm-hmm. for sexuality, mm-hmm. and he looks at that person and says, I see no demons here. Mm-hmm. What what a powerful countercultural message to the average Christian mm-hmm. message Um, that was my favorite. That's my main takeaway from the film, actually. So
0: in your sense, the culture is a traditionally conceived, uh, sort of Christian culture, and it's countering that. Yeah. Okay, great. That's good. I mean, if your
2: idea of culture is like white Christian suburban morals and family (laughs) values, then yeah, this is a pretty (laughs) countercultural film, um... I think that there's some ways in which it is uh, not as countercultural, though. Because I at least detected, I don't know if you guys had the same experience, um, a kind of uh, relatively common trope in our Western culture that distinguishes between the kind of tired externals of life and the inner authenticity of the heart. Mm, <laughs> yes, you know, That's so true. Uh, that sort of is something Jesus is channeling in this, yeah. <laughs> and um, it's something, you know, uh, we don't buy into all this old ritual conservative stuff, you know, it's about just being your authentic self and reaching down deep. Charles
0: Taylor calls it the age of authenticity.
2: Yeah, yeah, and um, I think this film uh, is very uh, with that cultural yeah, trend. Yeah. And uh, I find true. it to be suspect. Yeah, um, that's good. And, and a, a worthy line of critique yeah. on the film's interpretation, even though there are all kinds of ways in which as a product of that, I find myself, you know, sympathetic yeah. and resonating <laughs> with what they're saying. And, and I have to say that um, even though that was present, it wasn't present in a very cheap way. Yeah. I felt like there was still some depth when that trope was operative yeah. in the way, say, Jesus um, behaves in the temple courts. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a little bit of that trope going on with like the grossness of blood sacrifice mm-hmm. and the idea that you would um, kill an animal mm-hmm. um, for some kind of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. You know, some sort of pretty typical, I would say... Um, modern liberal skepticism about all that kind of stuff, Uh, and this temple edifice Mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. But what was a little deeper about that Mm -hmm. was um, the idea that uh, forgiveness could ever be a transaction, Mm -hmm. you know, that we would Mm -hmm. be able, um, by means of some kind of uh, process that we have instituted, put ourselves right with God and with one another without really requiring any kind of serious transformation of ourselves or our relationships. And that, I think, is true yeah. to Jesus' act in the temple, and um, especially in the Gospel of John uh, and his teaching, um, even if it was still
0: trading yeah. in that typical trope along the way. Well, that's where, I, you know, back to the questions of, like, how do you accuse something like this of heresy? It's a, it's an art form. It's a, it's a film. And the one downside of any film, because you get two hours, is you have to deal in tropes because there's some things you have to get the audience up to speed quickly. So right. it's like tradition versus authenticity. Boom, here we yeah. go. Okay, everybody yeah. gets that, and it's symbolized by blood sacrifice and temples and, like, you know, detached priests. So, you know, yeah. um, but it's still very fair to say, well, that's kind of a, a, a mischaracterization. I think for me, then, it, it's it's that sort of balance of, well, does the rest of the narrative and the, the characterization... Um, at least, is there something at stake in in what they're doing? And it's not just a, an easy stereotype, um, but I think you're right. That is the kind of the leanings of like, if we could all just get in tune with the great oneness. Of ourselves. <laughs> yeah. but, but your forgiveness things is really interesting. And Kathy, I wonder if you could say, um, because the other place then where um, the forgiveness comes up is at the very end where Mary speaks to Peter. Mm-hmm. And she is quoting Jesus when he is addressing the group of women in uh, Canaan, I think. Yeah. Canaan goes and she's oh, and the woman says, yes. well, tell me this, Jesus. Yeah. Here's the story. Let Here me just tell you the some... story. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, a woman was raped and killed, and the men went to trial and asked for forgiveness. Like, what are you talking about? So I wonder, and this is the, where the sort of countercultural thing. So I, I agree with Tommy that part of the film really is right in line with most sort of the cultural ethos in some ways. And then these other moments that depending upon which quote unquote culture you're talking about are like, whoa, that's that's gonna ruffle yeah. some feathers.
1: In I the, wonder in, in this that, one of
0: Jesus being a man, a male telling this woman who's voicing real <laughs> material loss and threat and violence, how could we possibly forgive? And for him to be the the voice no. to say, and no. yet you what does it feel like to carry that around like well how do you how does that strike you and, and what is different about jesus doing that versus like peter let's say peter went out and he's yeah, preaching the peter, same thing yeah
1: him so, it up
3: so against what is the wall yeah. right now <laughs> it
1: was still hard to hear though it was still hard to hear yeah. yeah but that i mean i think that's because i bring all my cultural baggage to viewing the movie um in my heart of hearts i said to myself when that like, I wish, Jesus, I could do that. I mm-hmm. wish I could forgive. Because mm-hmm. I know myself mm-hmm. for lesser things mm-hmm. than that. I carry, I can carry a grudge. So how does Jesus speak into my life, you know? Um, uh, and is it, and do, and do I get a pass because mm-hmm. those words come from a man? I'm a feminist, but mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think that's, Hmm. I don't give myself a pass just because it comes I think I may be, you know, there have been a lot of things said to me from men that haven't always borne out to be true, including in my own church growing up and stuff. But at at least I need to take the words of others who know me um, and weigh them in in community Hmm. is what I usually do. You know,
3: that but. scene actually really challenged my faith, hearing, seeing mm-hmm. Jesus in that light and having him speak to a woman about such a, I mean, our culture currently is constantly talking about this, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. with the Me Too movement. And so I, I was just like, whoa, do I want to hear that from Jesus? Yeah. Like, is my faith there? And... Damn. <laughs> yeah. It was. It was hard. It yeah. was really hard. You know. So when you, it's it's weird trade-off. When you make Jesus so human, this movie did a beautiful job of making Jesus human. Yeah. Every miracle sucked life out of him. He yeah. was in it with every yeah. cell. But at the same time, when Jesus is more human, I think it was harder for me to hear those words for him because when he is a perfectly painted divine image with no humanity I can be like oh I can hear anything from you the androgynous (laughs) Jesus but but it's interesting we're even
1: talking about this since this movie was made Right, yep. I mean, going to be distributed by the person who probably set off the yeah. whole Me Too yeah. movement, and right? it's partly
0: why it only now came out. Yeah, because it, mm-hmm. it two years it after different the... distribution yeah. and whatnot for that because everything just got signed, everything with his name on it was. Wow. and that's what's interesting. I think about the countercultureness of it mm-hmm. is, yeah. and I I would actually affirm this to say if I'm a man <laughs> in that context, let's say I'm put myself in the Jesus shoes, I'm like, I'm not saying that mm-hmm. as of today. I'm like, I don't feel comfortable. For all sorts of, I think, right reasons, um, voicing that, um, I would, ra- I think, pastorally, theologically, otherwise, I think my role there is, is silence. I don't think men really need to be saying that right now to that woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what made me stop in terms of my faith and go, well, well then in what way was Jesus different? Um, there is a scandalous particularity to the fact that, yeah. I mean, all the very different, various identity markers that we could lump onto Jesus. Th- he is a radically different human in so many ways for me, um, that should be scandalous, right? That, that should, uh, set me off and at a distance. It's my own sort of domesticating of Jesus that renders him mm. me in all these cases. Mm. And so that to me was a really helpful point to just mm. go, oh, oh, this is, he is different, but he's yeah. still a he somehow, um, right. and that was really challenging for me too. Tommy, you're, you're.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think I'd have gone even farther um, than you. Like, um, rather than just ask Jesus to be silent, you know, I think in response to what um, the woman told him in Cana, that he needed to revise what he said. <laughs> oh, oh, interesting. Okay, yeah. <laughs> because what he had said was not adequate mm. to the situation mm-hmm. that she that she expressed and that's how some of Jesus's conversations are because every word that Jesus gives is not the final word Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. always an intermediate word Mm -hmm. in the middle of an unfolding drama Mm -hmm. and it's important for in this case the woman's voice and testimony and experience to affect Mm -hmm. what Jesus teaches and says Mm -hmm. as opposed to just allow him to confirm it or reinforce it and in this case I mean I think that You know, I kind of resonate with Kathy that um, there's a sense in which uh, forgiveness does involve um, not letting someone's uh, harm done to you be a burden that you have to carry Mm -hmm. kind of psychologically with yourself your whole life so that you're just stricken with vindictiveness. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a a terrible Mm -hmm. burden to have to carry around. And forgiveness does mean, I think, healing from that and letting that go. But forgiveness also means repair. Yeah. It means that something has to change about the dynamics of power between women and men so that that doesn't continue to happen. The same way that I would say Jesus is preaching a kingdom that's more than liberation from Rome mm-hmm. doesn't mean less than liberation from Rome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would have liked to see a little bit more there. You know, like It's not just that the kingdom of God is in you and your faith can't be controlled by Rome. It's also that... We can live in a way that actually um, makes it harder and harder for Rome to control us. Mm -hmm. And that's what we need to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, I would have wished something along those lines with that encounter with that woman where he would have said, Yeah, you're right. Don't forgive that guy if what it means is to stop applying pressure to this dynamic of power that is victimizing women
0: systematically.
2: No. Forgiveness is not there yet. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Maybe um, that sort of leads, well, I think to at least maybe a final question that you guys could elaborate on. I found interesting in that you you saying uh, he needed to revise, right? Um, So you're my senior tenured Bible faculty here. So you can say that. Mm. In a way that I can't yet. Yes. Uh, so that Jesus should revise what he said. But um, but I found interesting... And if we
1: women say it, we will definitely be called heretics. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So we won't so, say okay, it, yeah. um, no, but, take it. But
0: what's interesting is um, that that they revise uh, the core parable that they use, the beginning at the end, and she uh, quotes the mustard seed parable, which I found interesting that is a woman takes yeah. and plants, which is not, you know, in the text. It's a man, um, in at least what we've got. But there is what I've always loved, my favorite parable, because and I use this as an example when people say, you know, the Bible clearly states. I'm like, what did you read in the Bible that is clear to you? <laughs> and I go, you know, <laughs> God in the flesh came and told us stories like this. The kingdom of God is like a woman who took some yeast and put it in some dough and it leavened the whole. And I'm like, Well, what? <laughs> what? What on earth are you talking about? Um, crazy Joaquin Phoenix, right? I mean, that, um, so. But I. I thought, so and those are often back to back in the synoptics. So I found it interesting that they went with the mustard seed parable and made it a woman, as opposed to the available uh, leaven parable. That's doing a very similar structurally thing. Um, and I find the the leaven parable really great because both yeast has a sort of negative connotation and a woman being the agent um, in this sort of telling, uh, then, uh, infects, quote unquote, the kingdom in a really interesting way. Mm. Um, I wonder, as you think, like, if we're going to revise, <laughs> what, what does that parable, um, that here's what the kingdom is, here's how women are involved in it, here's how women are leavening it, here's how women are planting the seed that grows, um, to great heights. What, in your mind, um, does that look like for us? Like what is it that that sort of gives us a picture of? Um, and and you have liberty to revise. You have liberty to uh, do a yes and to what the, the movie or the Gospels gave us. What would, how would you, how would you revise? Oh, Ruth just made a face. You can't <laughs> see it. A uh, Very scared face. Okay, maybe revise isn't it? What, as, as you hear, as you let sorry, me sorry. Uh, uh, that term in Yeah, the yeah, yeah. A more, a more, uh, 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 maybe an easier uh, question is really what? What does that mean to you? What does the kingdom mean to you? Um, and if you can use that sort of parable as the 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 way you kind of springboard from it, um, what's she getting at there uh, in, in telling us that
1: parable? well i mean i think traditionally i've always you know we've thought about it's that mustard seed which is that you know that seed of faith well but when i hear it told you know a woman and it's not just the faith it's the person Hmm. okay Hmm. that the kingdom of god will come perhaps with just this little seed of faith but it perhaps will come with people we didn't picture um I think it's Luke 18. Um, you know, there's a series of, of people, you know, the rich young ruler, but even before that, children and the blind beggar and and the disciples, they're all they're sort of one story after another, right? And it's the, the, the people that you don't expect to be able to understand what the kingdom is, children, blind people, um, uh, who, actually have a better beat on it than the disciples or the rich young ruler who who follows the law. Um, so I think maybe that story to me and the movie to me says, do not be surprised from where these signs of the kingdom will come.
3: Hmm.
1: from women, from children, from the you know, most isolated person that you might think, oh, no, they couldn't possibly teach me anything about the kingdom.
3: I love that. And I think there's a scene in the movie when Peter and Judas are talking about Mary following them, and Peter says, people will judge us. And I'm thinking the kingdom, not only is it like we're going to it's going to be unexpected and we have to be curious to engage it but also we will probably be judged for engaging with it and with the people that are a part of that kingdom movement Mm -hmm. and i think it's risky that's one thing that comes to my mind when i think of the kingdom is high risk Mm -hmm. (laughs) a life of curiosity high risk and unexpected characters Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. yeah yeah i like both of those interpretations um I guess, to my mind, that parable, uh, it fits perfectly, I think, so well in the, in the kind of just sort of tapestry of the film Mm -hmm. hangs together very well Mm -hmm. with that thread. And um, to me, it's, it's uh, what I'd want to like accentuate Mm -hmm. about it is that um, seeds are actually an immense source of power and they are humble in that they don't have the appearance of great power it's only with a certain ability to see what seeds do how they work how they become that someone is acquainted with their power and able to harness them or enjoy them um you know seeds when they break open die and germinate they will split a boulder (laughs) Mm. and so i think to me what i'd want to like push you know, the film, I think along the lines that it's already going in, but for me, just keep going that yeah. way, is that, um, you know, this figure of Mary, uh, the way that God's kingdom uh, is manifest, where we don't expect power to come from, what we haven't learned to make idols of, the things that are going to upset our entire sort of distribution of power and expectations. Um those are the things that break open the boulders Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and that means we have to cultivate a mentality maybe even a a practice with other people that exposes ourselves consistently to where we don't expect to find anything promising Mm -hmm. and then to allow that to form us Mm -hmm. to see sources of promise where before we haven't been able to Mm -hmm. and I do like that part of the film that it emphasizes the need for the transformation of the senses <laughs> right, mm-hmm. you've got to learn to see differently, mm-hmm. and that takes certain kinds of experiences, certain kinds of interactions with people. It takes a kind of training,
0: mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and that's
2: and to in some cases a, a whole new well. set of eyes.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right,
0: I mean, like we it's not just that we need to like shift our perspective, that's part of it, but it's we literally haven't the capacity because we don't have the it's like the uh uh matrix. Original Matrix, twenty years uh-huh. old now. Uh, uh,
1: Neo comes out <laughs> yeah. of the
0: the grid for the very first time, and I don't know if you guys remember that, but he says to Morpheus, "Why do my eyes hurt?" And he mm. says, "Because you've never used them." Yeah. yeah that's right. so, whoa, yeah. ah, that's uh, a that's, that's a, a good line. totally different. Well, um, thank you to all three of you. Uh, wonderfully insightful, and uh, glad we got to share uh, over this uh, Holy Week um, a a really a sacred text, I think um, that prodded all of us to think more deeply about what it means to be a disciple, what it means to be a part of the kingdom, and a recipient of um, unassuming seeds, I think, of the kingdom, and the blessing that comes with that. So thank you. You've been listening to the Cutter Calloway Podcast. Find past episodes on iTunes, SoundCloud, or CutterCalloway.com. For those of you with social media savvy, my handle is at CutterCalloway. Thanks again to my special guest for today's episode, Drs. Catherine Barsotti, Tommy Gibbons, and co-director of Real Spirituality, Ruth Schmidt.